Hello again, everyone. Moms and dads, boys and girls, welcome to the chatter. They're coming out of the woodwork today, Colleen. They are. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are they? They've never been. It's Vince Mice and Mark Hager, who's nodding his head, thinking, yes, this is radio. <laughs> this is, this is real. We're you, real. You have to say hi, Mark. Hi there. Hi, you in the in audience. In the name of the, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit amen. amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence i fly unto thee o virgin of virgins my mother to thee do i come before thee i stand sinful and sorrowful o mother the word incarnate despise not my petitions but in thy mercy hear and answer me amen in the name of the Father, Father and the and Son, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is episode number 87 of that show that the listener fondly recalls. I like that show with Colleen and the other guy. Now that's not Here it what is. they say. Episode 87. So That's not what they say. Indeed We've we got our faithful sidekicks here today, Vince yes. Mice and Mark Hager. Yes. Good they're going to carry here. the show. Did they know they're going to carry the show? <laughs> well, you know, they usually get wound up about halfway through the second segment here, so we're hoping we got enough to jumpstart them into the second carry, what we've done. Uh. But the hot news this past weekend was the uh, Dr. Bill Lyle's presentation on life at the Dubuque County Right to Life annual dinner. What is it, the 40th, 45th? Uh, oh, I think you said the 29th. But it was, Where did I get the 29th? 29th, um, yeah. Yeah. It was an he was an awesome speaker. We we aired him on our show the chatter early in the month ago. of April. Yeah. Right. So people can go back and listen to that, but he was really really good. One of mm-hmm. the best speakers they've had, energetic and uh and like Vince says, he had the whole message. He had the biology, he had the morality, he had the scripture behind it. He used humor, he had great stories. Um he was a great speaker and his specialty is abortion pill reversal. So um, that was kind of the the nugget in his message was, you know, so many over half the abortions today are are from that pill. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not the right. surgical ones. And so, if a woman changes her mind, takes the first pill, but changes her mind, they can reverse that in many many instances. What was and it? Seventy eight percent. And he has, yeah. And he has, yeah. So he was talking about that and what good news that is as far as the ability to reverse a decision that a woman starts to regret. So, very hopeful message. Vince, you've been to a bunch of the speakers over the years. What did you think of Dr. Lyle? This guy had the best, most well-integrated presentation I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And he he integrates the whole thing. He functions like a complete human being. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I mean, he's got all the aspects, and they're all... Perfectly and dynamically presented and integrated perfectly. Um, be tough to argue against a guy like that. Yeah, so he's got the medicine, he's got the logic, as Colleen pointed mm-hmm. out, and, and he's a gifted speaker. He's a gifted speaker mm-hmm. and yeah. deeply religious. Mm-hmm. Recovering in- introvert. Mm-hmm. Is that what he says? <laughs> <laughs> he, he really does meet you where you're at. He does. Yeah. yeah, so that was great. I think they had over 400 attendees, so mm-hmm. that was nice. And you know what I thought was one of the nicest things, too, of the evening was, who is the um, president of the board of directors? There's young Cassie Shutgin, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Young, pregnant with her fourth. I think she's due in July. So she was nice with her belly up there, and I thought, oh, 
this is the future of this movement, right? It's in you good bet. hands. And then who gets up but um, Augustine and, of course, another fine young man. And then another speaker was a student at Loris, a senior, who was pro-abort, pro-choice, right. um, until someone at Loris started challenging her and, and showing her the truth of abortion. So now she's pro-life. So I thought, wow, the future of this movement is in young hands, good young hands. So that was reassuring. Sure was. So, yeah. We've come a long way, baby. When uh, when you she can say it, but we can't, Mark. But you know, <laughs> there is that nice woman with her belly up there. I mean, had you said that, Mark, we would have been Chastite. censored. But, it was but, so beautiful. But, but There's Colleen, nothing more yes. beautiful yeah. than a pregnant woman. Yes, I agree. I yeah. agree. It's just doesn't sound quite as good coming from Mark saying there she is with her belly up there. Yeah. Well, when, <laughs> when you're on a maternity home, you talk a lot about bellies. Yeah. Yes. So, but anyway, so it was a it was a wonderful, wonderful night. So, kudos to Dubuque County Right to Life for for such a great evening. Where's uh? Where was the doctor from? What state? Or he was from Florida, Pensacola. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a lot of energy. We had him on the chapter on episode number uh, Colleen Coverwell. I you looked. were, I don't know, it was about a month ago, so maybe I'm going to guess around 82. He had um, Augustine Payne was in here. With the oh yeah, uh, you're close. Episode 83, yep. which we recorded um, early on uh, February 3rd, Monday the 3rd, and we played this a couple of times. Mm-hmm went into the events. So. I think they can go to the, our website or our podcast and they can find that episode if they want to. KCRD-FM.org is the website and the keyword KCRD on mobile apps everywhere. Mobile enabled phones everywhere get the KCRD app. Yeah. So anyway, so that was that was really, really good. So good job for... Oh, and the food was really good too. Excellent. Because I had heard not good things with the new management, and they kind of struggled that first weekend that they were there. But I thought the food was great, and we had good vegetarian. Sign. Good sign. Yeah. Speaking of Florida, they are all over DeSantis down there about the bills that he's signing about the gay rights and about mm. the transgender thing and mm. uh, just everything. Everything that he's doing, these people, you know, this group, you know, this segmented group is over there challenging him suing him on everything yeah. and he's just keeps on keeping on you know i'd love to see that it's you know? a fight it's yeah. a fight i think at the dinner didn't they mention in florida how at first it was like um what was it they had whatever the length of time you could do an abortion and then they dropped it to 15 weeks but then right. they dropped it now to six weeks in florida they passed right. it because of the heartbeat heartbeat so i think that's why maybe mark they're all screeching about that but isn't yeah. that awesome that yeah. is just so great me thinks that does protest too much that's the future of the movement <laughs> where are they doing that yeah, yeah. So that was that was a good thing. And then I don't know, I, I don't want to spoil this for anybody if they haven't seen the movie Nefarious. No, it's too late. <laughs> no, it's too late. Well no, I mean no. you had three weeks to see the movie. Yeah. It's gone now. I think Friday. So if if they listen to this episode on Friday, By the, the time this well, airs, I saw, it's I saw it on Saturday. No, yeah. but it's here until Friday, yeah. April twenty eighth. Yeah. Um, and then it's gone. And by the time this episode airs, it'll be oh, Friday sure. the 28th. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. But I thought it was very, very good. Not in a uh, creepy kind of way like the Exorcist movie was or, um, you know, all those movies. But it was mostly a dialogue between the two people, most of the whole movie. Between the atheist psychiatrist who needed to 
discern if the prisoner was insane or not, and the prisoner, who was not insane but was possessed. Right. But an atheist, of course, wouldn't believe in that. So he's thinking multiple personalities, maybe he is insane. But it was a great insight into how uh, the enemy thinks and how he tempts us. Exactly. And the thoughts he puts yeah, in Yeah, you're listening to The Chatter, episode number 87. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie Nefarious, <laughs> and you don't want to... to um, Get us spoiled. Right. If you okay. still plan on seeing it, then turn your radio yeah. off. <laughs> or or do like what many people are doing and see the movie for the first time because many people have seen the movie a second time. Mm-hmm. It is fast-paced. So let's, let's back up for a moment. Mm-hmm. It is Hitchcockian in this way uh, where Hitchcock filmed a couple uh, movies uh, in a single scene or a single setting. One is his movie that comes to mind called Rope. You remember that one, Vince? Remember it. Was was in a, uh, uh, mostly filmed in a single uh, scene in, in an apartment. Yeah, it was all one setting. Yeah. All one setting. Is that the, yeah, setting. Uh, another movie he did called Lifeboat, in which was um, in a lifeboat set nope. at sea, and there were a cast of six or eight six. characters in that uh, doing it. So for the most part, Nefarious is filmed in a single setting, setting. which is in a prison and in the uh, room that is used for family to visit prisoners. So I would say 80% of the movie is uh, is in that one room. Mm-hmm. Vince, you're, you're looking puzzled. It's the, well, it's all, it's all filmed in the, next to the death house and. The Oklahoma State Prison. Correct. So that's the room that yeah. prisoners are visited by their family. That's the setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark, you've and seen it. And they're on death row or not? He's on death row. He's yeah. on death row. Okay. And it, yeah, the movie takes place in one day. Yeah. Right. Because when he gets there, the warden tells him, you know, you got to tell me if this guy is insane or not. And you have to tell me by four o'clock. Because if he's insane, then we can't execute him. But if he's not, he's being executed at 11 p.m. And you have to let me know by 4 p.m. So there is kind of this sense of he's got to find out, you know, as soon as possible um, if the guy's insane or not. So, but it's it's an intense movie, intense dialogue. The actor should get an Oscar. Which one? Well, I, I think the condemned man more so than the atheist guy. Yeah. But he did an awesome job going back and forth between his person, Edward Wayne Brady, and the um, demon called Nefarious. That's where the title comes from. We are legion. Right? We are legion. <laughs> exactly. Why is it? Somebody made a statement some years ago. I don't know who it was, but they said, did you ever notice that all of these great uh, criminals have three names? <laughs> they do. Edward they? James Brady. Yes. yes. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sir Han, Sir Han, <laughs> <laughs> That's one too many surnames, but okay. <laughs> um, who else would be in there? John Wilkes Booth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some non-criminals that have three names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they don't make the front page that way. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. If there's ever a big murder, it's always yeah. the three names. They get the three names. So I would say if you're listening to this uh, podcast and you haven't seen the movie yet, watch it when it comes out on streaming. Because I thought it was... I thought it was very worthwhile to see. And I, well, was, I, I haven't the, met anyone who said they were 
indifferent to the movie or did not like the movie. Hmm. Yes? You? No, I have not. No. no. Vince? I thought it was a good movie, it, uh, but it definitely caused you to think. And what did it cause you to think about? Well, it caused you to think about the whole justice system. It also caused you to think about the manner in which the devil operates in the world today and every day. Well, so what about the justice, the criminal justice system? Well, um, you know, you, you had to think about if the guy was convicted, was he was it without any doubt whatsoever, or um, if he could fake being um, insane, then uh, they couldn't execute him if if he could fake it. But now, okay, spoiler alert. So really, if you want to see the movie, don't listen to this next part. They okay, already left three, the room. They're gone. Two, they're one. Gone. Okay, they're already gone. Okay. So the psychiatrist finds him n- sane. He does yes. not find him insane. Right. He says he's, you know, perfectly sane. And and that is true. He he was sane, right? Well, he was possessed. He was possessed, yeah. Yeah, but possession doesn't make you insane. He knew when he was his own personality and the devil let him talk. He knew you know, right from wrong. It was that old line, the devil made me do it. Well, see, I think Vince has an interesting uh, statement. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a point of view, but a statement when he says it makes you wonder about the criminal justice system, which gives you two options. Mm -hmm. You are either sane and you're able to stand trial and you are able to receive the consequence in this instance the uh, death penalty, or you're insane and you're acting without it. Doesn't it doesn't hold forth what what actually the premise of the movie was is that you are criminal, you are possessed, and you are committing acts against your will, mm-hmm. right? Right. So to the degree uh, that that is true, it, that is reality. The uh, criminal justice system is. Um, is at at best agnostic, at at worst atheistic. Yes. Yes. It uh, well. It, it they have no way to. Um, there is no provision, so far as I understand, for possession. the movie, right, in Oklahoma state law, that you can say you are you are guilty of heinous murders, and you can plead that I did this because, as Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. Right. So going back to the beginning, what was he convicted of, and why was he on death row? He was convicted of six murders, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. You okay. saw the movie twice. You'd remember better. Yeah, yeah. at least six. So <laughs> was he pleading insanity when he murdered these people or no. not? No. No, it no. was kind of a recent development that he pleaded insane because he knew that would keep him from being executed. Gotcha. Okay. But okay. the movie opens up the very first five minutes of the No, movie. I don't think he pleaded insanity. It was the job of the psychiatrist to demonstrate to that determination. he was right that he was sane. Okay, because yeah. I thought at some point in the movie, like he had recently, as the execution day got closer, claimed to be insane. That's what I guy got from it. But you saw it twice. I only saw it once. It may, yeah, that could I, be I don't. I don't know that. I'll have to see it a third time. And maybe they were just, you know, um, checking all the boxes to make sure that they could show that he wasn't Right, insane. there was a stay of ex- execution pending 
the medical finding, mm-hmm. and um, that's where the scene with the governor of Oklahoma. But right. you know, as you mentioned, the criminal justice system, it kind of makes you wonder how many more people imprisoned might be afflicted with demons. Well, that's an yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably. How a do lot. we know? Huh? How would you know? Well, I think you turned the ten o'clock news on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, serious. No, I well, serious question. How do we? Maybe a lot of people on death row or in the prisons. I think what we have to do, Colleen, is take a natural break right now okay. and, and come back in segment two because this is bigger than what we've got. You're listening to The Chatter. This is episode number 87. Mark Hager's back in the house. Professor Mize is in the house. And we're going to talk more about the question that you just posed, which was how do we know these people are sane in in the context of the movie, but in a much larger context. Thanks to Hot Works on Holiday Drive for bringing to you Siskel and Ebert, evidently. (laughs) (laughs) Never knew we were going there. We'll be right back after this. We're back on the chatter with episode number 87. That was a long TV timeout, Colleen. It was because I was looking for the Code of Canon Law, and this book must weigh 30 pounds. Yes. She needed assistance. Aisle 11 is back. So we were talking in segment one about the movie Nefarious, which takes place in um, Oklahoma State at a prison, uh, a prisoner uh, condemned to death on death row, and the movie takes place for the most part, 90 Nine percent of it takes place in uh, in the day of his execution, beginning mm-hmm. in the morning and concluding at eleven p.m. Mm-hmm. the day of the execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Vince brings up a point about uh, some of the things that the movie made him think about. One was the criminal justice system, and so then we got to talking about how are there more people on death row or in prison that are also possessed? Right. And my contention is, yes. Yes, there are. Read, look, view the morning, noon, and night newscast. These these uh, items are not the work. These mass murders in anything. Mm-hmm. The most heinous of crimes are murders. Mm-hmm. How you can't commit these? Or when you think about some of the awful abuse that babies or or young children have experienced you think there's got to be evil behind that sure there's got to be evil behind that yeah this is no longer a difference between right and wrong it's the difference between good and evil mm-hmm. but we don't and, and vince just i lost him on that <laughs> it's not right and wrong it's good and evil okay but don't we don't think? we don't we don't send exorcists into the prisons no but if you talk to exorcists on this subject, for instance, uh, Ripperger, Father mm-hmm. uh, Chad Ripperger, who's been close to Dubuque, but not precisely here. I think the closest he's been is Madison, and um, in one of his commentaries on the subject, what's the rise in, in craziness? 
the lack of baptism. Oh, wow, I believe that. Mm-hmm. What What is the sacrament of baptism for? Mm-hmm. Yep, to wash away original sin and un- get us out of the clutches of the devil. If you're not baptized, <laughs> exactly. you ain't going to heaven. What say you, Mark? Yes, I totally agree with that because, you know, if, well, you, you've just, you've got to be in the clutches of Jesus and not the devil. That's, right. I mean, that's that's where you have to be. And you, to, in order to get there, you got to be baptized. You have to you be gotta baptized. you got to be baptized. you got to be. I thought it was interesting, the dialogue, where the atheist says to Ed, Edward. The atheist is. The atheist uh, is Jimmy Martin. Of all names to choose for yeah. the Dr. Jimmy psychiatrist. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> or Dr. Um, James Martin, as oh, he preferred. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. He's, he doesn't, he's an atheist, so he doesn't know anything about the spiritual life. So he kind of says to Nefarious, the demon, so what, you possess someone, you just one day come in and you possess them? And so Nefarious schools him. Takes him to school. On how that happens. And I thought it was so interesting. And he kind of spoke with a little bit of a, not a list, but... It was kind of hard to understand everything he was saying, and his cadence was uneven, and so it's hard to follow. But one of the things that he said was, you know, it starts with temptation. Mm-hmm. We try to get him to do, we start with temptation, um, and get him to do worse and worse things. But he says then, if he's not baptized, we can start in earlier. Right. Did you catch that line? Exactly. He's, so the, temp- the, the implication of starting with temptation seemed to be, at the age of reason, mm-hmm. what the church would basically call the age of reason, which has been age seven, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's when you get first holy confession and first holy communion mm-hmm. traditionally. Mm-hmm. But he comes back and says, if they're not baptized, we can start earlier. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yep. So what what a statement about the importance of baptism. Because we all know the statistics of people baptizing their kids. And Dropping them off dramatically. And, and what Father Ripperger said about the lack of baptism. We get a lot of phone calls here at KCRD. The number one item that people uh, lament and ask for our prayers is for their family, whether it be first, second, or third generations, to return to the faith. Mm-hmm because they were baptized. The second is the implication a lot that their grandchildren are not baptized. Mm-hmm. And they're heartbroken. Yeah. And a lot of questions Absolutely. you hear, a lot of questions that you hear on Pat Madrid or wherever is, can I just take that baby in the bathroom and throw some water on its head and baptize and an- it? And the answer is? And the answer is no. You can't. Why, why is that? Because it doesn't do any good to plant a seed if you don't water the plant. That's and true. so why else? And so if the uh, person is baptized but the faith is not cultivated and developed then it dies. Sure. Why else, Colleen? Well, also because the parents are responsible for their children, right. not the grandparents. So the ch- the parents have to be the one to say we want our child baptized and brought up in the faith. Um, so that's another reason, but also I've heard people say if you baptize that baby and I mean, baptism is baptism. You know, you pour water over the head now, not in danger of death. So most of them aren't. So, you know, that's not really necessary. But then you are putting obligations on that child to grow up and learn the faith and and act like like a Christian. 
And you're putting an expectation there that they're not able to do because no one's teaching them the right. faith. Right, yes. So you're, you're handicapping, handicapping them. Well, that's part of the rite of, of Catholic baptism, mm-hmm. which is uh, parents, godparents, what is it that you desire? And the response is mm-hmm. baptism. Is baptism. Mm-hmm. So that's why there are parents and godparents for the sacrament. And that's the argument for infant baptism. It was born out in this scene from the movie that we're discussing, uh, Nefarious, but uh, also in, in the real life rite. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is why, what is it you desire for your child? Baptism. Baptism to mm-hmm. protect Mm-hmm. Prote- defend and protect mm-hmm. your child. And uh, in some of the rites, like the Eastern Rite, they have a, an exorcism as part of their baptismal rite. And uh, when we were living in North Carolina, I was the godmother for a child who was being baptized in the Byzantine Rite. And the child was maybe one year old. And as father started going through the prayers, I thought to myself, it sounds like he's doing an exorcism. And that baby was maybe mm, 10 months old or so. And at one point when Father was reading those exorcism prayers, that little baby reached over and grabbed that prayer book out of his hand. Mm -hmm. He calmly took the prayer book back and kept reading the exorcism prayers. Oh, yeah. So those are, they're powerful. Oh, yes. Uh, Wow. You know, it's interesting you say that. I had the occasion in the uh, recent years to uh, attend the last rites. There was a gentleman who uh, was near death, had been away from the sacraments, was baptized Catholic, and we got a good and holy priest to come in and give him last rites, which are, uh, he was licit enough to uh, have the sacrament of of, uh, confession, and then viaticum and the anointing. So he received three sacraments. So I was there present and then excused myself for the sacrament of confession. So I went outdoors and did that and then came back in. And and he received the uh, sacrament of the Eucharist. During the administration of of what we called extreme unction, the, the anointing of the sick, that same thing happened. Hmm. This this man who was coming in and out of of consciousness grabbed the stole of the priest. He was that close, and the and the books. And as he was being anointed on the forehead, the hands were being pushed away from the from the forehead. And anyway, the sacraments were were um, administered all three. And it was very efficacious, and, and then we left the family. Wow. So on the way home, I said to him, Father, well, how did that go? And he, he says, yeah, that was interesting. And, and uh, I said, what did you make of that when you were anointing him with the, with the chrism? Mm-hmm. And we both finished that sentence. There was a demon in the room. Mm. Yeah, folks. There are so many people. You know, the greatest. If there's one takeaway from this movie, Colleen, mm-hmm. it has to be the great, the the great weapon of the enemy is that he does not exist. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. Vince, you just gave me that look when I said earlier, this isn't right and wrong, it's good and evil. And, mm-hmm. and you had a perplexed look on your face. But that's, that's, that's the takeaway is. here, isn't it? it sure. It absolutely is a takeaway. Not only does um, evil exist, but it can inhabit people. But there are two errors that we can make when it comes to the demonic and, and the devil. One error is to not believe in him at all. Right, that's his best tool. Mm-hmm. Right. But the other error is to see him everywhere. Right. And give him too much credit. No. So we don't want to err on either end. We want to, you know, that middle line is, is the virtue line, right? The mean is the, the virtue. Right. Now, I got to interject a story here. Just so, so Tom, going with your story of what you just heard, the night before our son Jeremy passed away, the priest was in and and said the mass and give and was giving everybody communion. Well, Jeremy was really pretty much out of it. Okay, until it came time for communion, Father went around and gave everybody communion, except Jeremy. <laughs> and Jeremy woke up and, and he hands and he goes, "Father, what about me?" Wow! Just like that, wow. and it was just like we just like. We're taken aback. It was just like, wow. what a beautiful moment wow. that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Father, yeah. I think Father was even like stunned, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was just, it was just beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, yeah. And viaticum is is when you receive the Eucharist, and it's called viaticum because it's for the journey. Food for the journey. Yeah, yep. food for, for the, the journey. That journey we're about to make um, into eternity, right? And there's nothing more important than landing on the right side of exactly. eternity. But uh, so I thought the the movie was very good. It gave you a lot to think about, right? Um, the other thing that I thought it helped um, would be a good meditation on the movie is what kinds of things does the evil one tell us? You know, for everybody, it's going to be a little different. Like if there's uh, someone in a a tough marriage, maybe the enemy says to that person, that woman, you know, you deserve better than this. You can't. You shouldn't put up with this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know those those mm-hmm. words that we think as just our own thoughts. What is coming from the enemy? And that would be a good meditation for people uh, to think about. What is? What are they susceptible to? What messages? And then how important it is to, to counter that time. with a scripture. Exactly. Because when Christ was tempted in the devil in the desert, every time the devil tried to tempt him with, you know, why don't you turn these stones into bread? He responded with scripture. scripture. Man does not live on, right? So he responded with scripture. So when we do a meditation and figure out what those um, temptations are that the evil one puts in my mind, we need to come back with something right from scripture. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or, you know, him who is in me is greater than who's in the world, whatever it might be. Um, but we have to be ready with scripture. So Colleen, Going back to your thirty-pound book, there. Oh my gosh! What were you going to? Yeah, so I wanted to see what the uh, Catechism and the Code of Canon Law said about exorcism, and in the Code of Canon Law, it's Canon eleven seventy-two, and it says no one can perform exorcisms legitimately upon the possessed unless he has obtained special and express permission from the local ordinary, which is your bishop. Right. So right. not every priest can be an exorcist. You have to be appointed. Exactly right. and, and because the authority really comes from the bishop. 
Right. And he gives you I that authority. I don't even think with the authority of the bishop, a layperson can be a, 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 an exorcist. No. no, not at all. A layperson no. can never be an exorcist. But, but lay people can be on the exorcist team. So when a priest, when the exorcist goes in to meet with the possessed, they usually have a couple people with them who are going to be in the background praying the rosary. Exactly. For some spiritual power. Do yeah. we know of any priests in this archdiocese that are exorcists? Or well, not? every every diocese is supposed to have an exorcist, but in addition, the, isn't the bishop of every diocese de facto an exorcist? Sure, sure. Yes, but, but you're never mm-hmm. going to see the bishop of a diocese going in himself and doing exorcisms. So that's why he appoints someone to go in his place. But every diocese is supposed to have someone appointed that's gone through special school training for it but i i think a couple years ago we were told that there was no need for an exorcist in this diocese weren't we oh, told that well, there was something about no evil right yeah no, don't worry about there's no really see no evil, no evil hear no evil <laughs> yeah. see no evil so well we carry a show the spirit world on saturday mornings at is it 10 or 11 10 o'clock is it 10 o'clock with uh debbie giorgiani and adam Bly who are um, great, I mean, this is becoming one of the most popular yes. mm-hmm. uh, shows in all the week, 10 o'clock Saturday mornings, The Spirit World, mm-hmm. and with, uh, with Debbie Giorgiani and uh, Andrew Bly. And they talk very, very well. Andrew is not a cleric, but he trains priests on how mm-hmm. to do exorcisms. Mm-hmm. He's, he's uh, uh, employed by... The Diocese of I was, Pennsylvania or uh, was, Pennsylvania Diocese, yes? Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, that or, or Detroit, I'm not sure. Yeah, hmm. anyway. Yeah, but it's very interesting, but we don't want people to mess around with the New Age and occult stuff to try to talk with these demons or exactly. go to mediums or to be so curious that they open themselves up. Because it's real and it's dangerous. Well, that point can't be overstated. No. The dumbest angel, the, the dumbest demon. Demons are angels that, that right. failed the test, mm-hmm. which is part of the narrative in this movie. Mm-hmm. So we won't go into that, but if you, if you want to get a background there. The dumbest demon on the planet, and they are here on the planet, mm-hmm. is infinitely smarter Mm-hmm. than the smartest human being of all time. This is Aquinas, Solomon, mm-hmm. yep. um, yeah. Einstein. Yeah, ne- Nefarious even said that in one of his talks to the atheist psychiatrist. Right. He even said, I'm smarter than any theologian that's ever lived. Right. Because, right, they're pure spirit. They are way smarter than human beings. But the thing that we have to remember is they are not equal to God. So sometimes we tend to think that it's Satan versus Jesus, like in the boxing ring, and it's one opponent equal to another, and it's not. No. The no. De- the devil, even Satan himself, is still a created being. He will never be equal to God, the creator, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. They will never be equal. He wants us to think that, but that he will never be equal to the Lord um, and and he knows how the outcome comes. All the mm-hmm. demons understand the, what the exactly. outcome is. Exactly. They know the squash. But we've got 60 seconds squash. left in this segment. <laughs> Colleen, to your point then, 
if the demons know what the end of the story is, why do they fight on? What's the gambit? And that came out in the movie. Right? It's souls. They want souls. They want souls. Um, there's a couple scenes in the movie where he tells him souls, you know, an abortion happens, and he's thrilled that another soul was sent to hell. They they're fighting for our souls until it's until it's over. That's how they keep score. Yes, that's the, how they keep the score. more souls that can be stolen away from Christ right. Jesus and given to their master named mm-hmm. Lucifer. Mm-hmm. They they feel like they win. They know that they win. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that would be borne out by the messages of Our Lady at Fatima. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, you're listening to, uh, no, this isn't Rotten Tomatoes, doing a movie <laughs> review. But, uh, Mark, you haven't seen it yet. No, and but I'm going to. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to see it. Yeah. Vince, you're giving it two uh, thumbs up, one uh, thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Colleen, she's giving it. This might be a movie I purchase so that I can watch more than once. We might have to do a viewing of it. We might. You're listening to the 87th episode of The Chatter, brought to you by Hotworks on Holiday Drive. We thank all of the folks over there for doing it, doing this, helping you uh, with the local podcast called The Chatter. We'll be right back after these announcements. We're back. This is the 87th episode of The Chatter. Good to have you along. Vince Mice is in the house. Professor, good to see you. Good to be here. Mark, good to have you here in the house. Mark Hayes back. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, good to be here. And uh, Colleen, the movie critic review is is uh, in the co-pilot yes, seat. Yes, yes. I've taken up enough of the airtime now. So. Great movie. Loved it. Great movie. We've talked about Nefarious. We've talked about The Life Dinner with Dr. Uh, Lyle, Dr. Bill Lyle out of Pensacola. And uh, what else do we got here? Just flash news. By this time, it might be old news. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. He's out. That only took 10 years longer than we thought. Yep. Dan Bongino was out on Friday, and now Tucker... Bongino's gone? On the Fox. He's still going to have his radio show, but his Fox show. He announced on his radio show on Friday that he's done at Fox. And he's gone? And he was very... um, he wanted to be sure people knew there wasn't any backstory. It was just they couldn't come to an agreement on the contract. Right. So he was settling down any uh, rumors that might be going. We just couldn't settle on the contract um, details. So, yeah. But now Tucker's out. So where do you think these guys will go? I mean, their own platforms or, or what do you think? I mean, Could be. I Could bet. Be. I bet, because really, yeah, th- they each have enough of a following. Oh, yeah. That I don't think they need a network. I think they could have a channel, probably not on YouTube because they'd be censored, right? But Spotify or Rumble or you know, Joe Rogan has his thing, and he's you right. know, Steve Bannon has his. Sure. They'll go. They'll both keep go- doing what they're doing. Um, yeah. But it's too bad. I I don't know why anyone watches Fox anymore. Well, it's whittling down, right? Well, you know, ever since they hired Donna Brazil to be one of their top people. I wondered where she went. 
Yep, and this was maybe five, six years ago. I thought yeah. they just hired Donna Brazil. She was the former head of the, the Democrat Democratic National Party. Pa- yeah, and Chairwoman, I thought, right? why is Fox the supposedly conservative television station? It's controlled hiring, opposition. Hiring the former head of the DNC. Yeah. Well, it only took her five years. Yeah. Oh, anyway. What'd you make of it, Vince? Well, I just—I mean, it was—you um, could see it coming, and what do you expect? You know. Quite frankly, I think it took longer than it than I anticipated. You know, I think in a way this could be really good for Americans in general because remember Tucker about a month ago, two months ago, showed some of those J six videos, January six videos. Remember? Yes. And he said that he was given like forty thousand of them or something, and he showed a couple, and then the rumor was that he was told he couldn't show any more. And he didn't. I think whatever he showed the next night was just a repeat mm-hmm. of the first night. But if he gets on his own platform, he might be showing some more truth of what really happened. So We'll tell you what the truth is, and you'll like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll believe it. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we'll see. Vince, you've got a couple of things. Well, I <laughs> said I was going to talk about the evidence of the exodus, so. I better get on with it and do go, that. Go for it. Talk talk to us. I uh, I began by uh, thinking that um, that Ron Wyatt had uh, found the place where the people crossed the sea and the sea was parted by Moses. But I looked at some more evidence and I came to the conclusion that that was not the uh, not the exact spot. And uh, the re- thing that led me to this was. Um, there was discovered in 1947, archaeologists discovered an Amose steel in, um, and this uh, was uh, produced about 1500 BC. It's all in hieroglyphics and it mirrors the biblical story of the Exodus perfectly, but it's from the viewpoint of the Pharaoh. So can, what, can I ask you what you said that was? The Amose steel. What is that? Amose was the uh, was the um, name of the uh, pharaoh, and the monument is called the stele, S-T-E-L-E, and uh, it's a. Uh, they're always carved in stone, and usually very hard stone like granite. This one was in granite, and it's you can find it in the basement of the Cairo Museum if you go in, and you take a look, hmm. and it pinpoints the place where. The uh, Moses parted the uh, water. Hmm. Okay, and of the Red Sea. Not the Red Sea, the Reed Sea. The Reed Sea. The Reed Sea. Okay. They were headed. So they well, were headed east. They were headed. Yes. E- they were headed east. It's right. Well, when they built the Suez Canal, this lake, it was actually a lake because yeah. it was a reeds don't grow in salt water; they grow in fresh water, and mm-hmm. so. Um, when they uh, when they uh, built the Suez Canal, this lake died. But um, that was pinpointed there by that uh, by that um, well that um, writer. In 1960, an Austrian um, archaeologist by the name of Professor Manfred uh, Bietuk, uh discovered. Avaris, the Hyksos capital, in the uh, area of Goshen, that's in the Nile Delta. Right. 
and he just he uh, said that it was a walled city of palaces, and it was incredibly rich. And so um, he's Char uh, Dr. Charles Pellegrino uh, wrote a book, and he said that the Hebrews left Egypt at the same time that the Hyksos were expelled. And so we now have a couple of things that are happening at the same time. And um, so from, is it coincidence or correlation? It's correlation. It's not coincidence. Uh, then Professor William Deaver of the University of Arizona explains, you can't move around Egyptian dates more than about a dozen years. If you get further than that away, it's, it's not going to be accurate at all. So we take a look at this and we say, well, when did it occur? And we look at the Bible says the Exodus occurred 480 years before Solomon began building the temple. And this puts it within 100 years of the date of the Hyksos expulsion, so they are happening about the same time. Now, there are four biblical citations that will confirm this, and you can read these on your own. One is 1 Kings 6.1, and that's the one that says, the um, Solomon began building his temple in the 481st year after the Exodus. The second one is Judges 11:26, uh, and uh, that's the one where um, the judge is saying to his neighbor, "We've been here for 300 years. How come you're complaining about us inhabiting this area now?" Saying it to whom? Saying that to. Um, one of the other kings in the area, they want to reclaim some of the land that the uh, Israelites were living in. Perhaps a uh, an Egyptian king? Not an Egyptian king, no. A regional king. Right. The third of these is 1 Chronicles um, 6, yeah. uh, 33 to 37, and it's a, it's, um, it's a genealogy. And when you count off the number of uh, the number of uh, generations in there, it, the numbers come out so very very carefully. If you figure the average um, the average uh, generation about twenty five years, can't figure it at forty. That's a little too long. And some of our evangelical friends like to say that it's fifteen, but that's a little too short. Mm -hmm. And so um, comes out very close. Now, the Bible, of course, re, uh, records the movement of the Israelites of Joseph into, um, into Egypt, how he was sold into slavery and how he rose to prominence. But the key factor here is that he's wearing a royal ring with a signet on it. Right. And this, uh, in, um, there were discovered nine of these uh, royal seals in the city of Avaris. Avaris was the Hyksos capital. Mm -hmm. And they're found at precisely the lair where the, to be there at the time of uh, Joseph holding all the power in Egypt. And it's interesting that Yaakovim is the only uh, Hebrew name that ever appeal, appears on an Egyptian uh, royal seal. So it's interesting also that the um, area of Avaris has now been declared by the um, Egyptian uh, antiquities authorities to be off limits. The um, why is that? 
Well, because of the stuff that they're discovering there. These people are not Christian, and they don't want anything that confirms the Christian viewpoints. So what you're sharing with us right now is historical data that cooperate, corroborates corroborates the, uh, it. the no. uh, biblical dates, times, and storylines. Right, but it was uh, Professor uh, Bitak that, that discovered these seals there. The signets. The signet uh, seals there from, um, from the time of Joseph. Now the next thing is, um, what about uh, were the Egyptians using um, using uh, slaves? They were using them at a place called Sarabit El Kadim, and this is about 400 miles southeast of the Nile Delta. It's out in the Sinai Desert, and they were using them for thousands of years to mine topaz or turquoise. I'm sorry. And uh, how do we know that these were Hebrew slaves? Well, we found some writings there on the wall writings, and they're not hieroglyphic. And it's an early form of alphabetic writing. And we know that they only worshipped one god, and the god was El. And to support our timeline, we'd have to find an inscription there. And they found one. And the inscription they found says, El, save me. And so that indicates that, yes, there were uh, Hebrew slaves there in, the, in that uh, area. Now, the next thing is, how do we get this uh, figured out with the, with the right pharaoh? Well, we have to ask ourselves, in the 10th plague, the pharaoh's eldest son dies. Right. And so um, we have to figure that out. Well, if you go to the... Um, if you go to the Cairo Museum, you find the mummy of Atmose, but you also find the museum of the um, mummy of his son Safir, and Safir died at age twelve, and that's all carefully recorded by them. So you're suggesting the son of Pharaoh was killed at the age of twelve, as the tenth plague. In uh, the tenth plague, that's what I'm suggesting. Right. Okay. The ne the next time around, I'll explain. Something about did God use nature and you or will, work against nature to produce these plagues? Yul Brenner would ver verify that from the movie. Was that the uh, Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments. Yeah. All right. The next thing is uh, the spot where they crossed was was uh, in um, in uh, Egyptian. It was Yamsuf, not the Red Sea, but the Reed Seas, because the reeds grow in. Um, Fresh water. Right. Okay, now, um, the, on the uh, hieroglyphic monument in the Ismailia Regional Museum, this is in northeastern Egypt, right on the west bank of the Suez Canal, you see this whole thing pointed out, and um, the um, Moses is called the prince of the desert, and the Hebrews are called the evil ones, while the Bible calls the Hebrew people God's chosen people. It tells about the parting of the sea in symbols. There are three waves and two knives. And the professor Hoffmeister of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School explains it this way. Three waves means a body of water. Two knives means divided. The granite monument records exactly where it was in Patuf, its Egyptian name, in uh, Hebrew is called Yamsuf, 
And the Hebrew name of the lake now is Elbala, and that translates into the lake where God devoured. Now, that's pretty descriptive. That is descriptive. <laughs> so, Vince, we got a couple of minutes left. Why don't you wrap this up, and we'll do a summary judgment. Uh, Heinrich Schliemann found uh, gold from Egypt, and uh, he found um, he found uh, Israelite stuff in um, in uh, the uh, tombs in Santori, and so what we find here is that um, all of this evidence points to the fact that this had to have happened at a certain time in history. And that um, it uh, the archaeological evidence is perfect. And the next time around, I'll point out to you all the evidence as to where Mount Sinai is, because some people, you know, disagree about that. But the Bible gives us very three very clear indications where it is. Those beautiful tones are Vince Mize, Professor Vince Mize giving us an archaeological treatise on the validity and the veracity of the Exodus. We're going to look at the eruption of the um, volcano on Santori. So just, just to condense what you've done, in case you tuned in late to the chatter, you're, you're telling us that there is archaeological evidence of the parting of seas. Of the parting of the seas. Not the Red Sea, but the Reed, Reed sea, sea, which is a fresh water body of water where reeds grow, where salt water bodies like the Red Sea would not sustain right. the life of reeds. It was a translation um, error that, that so you people... Got, what does Jerome say? Does it say Red Sea or Reed Sea? I don't know. i got to pull that out. I'll have to look. So... I've got the map pulled up here, but you're saying that this evidence comes from the Egyptian side. Right, not comes the from Hebrew the Egyptian side. side. So yeah. Comes yeah. from, yeah. I so. was trying to, I've got the Suez Canal area pulled up yeah. on my Google Maps here, and I'm trying to see some of these cities that you're mentioning, but I think they're different names. Oh, the, well, yeah, there were such ancient yeah. cities that they're not yeah. there. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. It is fascinating. So, as you're gathered round barbecue, it's, it's, we're just days away from Mother's Day. There'll be a lot of grilling for mothers. I can see, uh, Vince, do you want to give your cell phone out just so that people can call you up for, say, here, Dad, I've got the guy on the phone. It, the Egyptians were, were overrun in the, in the Reed Sea. I can see a, a lot of people looking for firsthand knowledge of this, Mark. So Vince, where do you where do you pull up all this information on? Well, I uh, the, the uh, guy that I was looking at has been working for more than ten or twelve years to to produce a movie to show this, and uh, so I just looked at all the stuff, and it's all on uh, it's all on YouTube if you want to watch it. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. Closing thoughts, Mark. I it, I just. I mean, I'm eyes in awe of what Vince knows and how, mm -hmm. how intelligent you are, Vince. It's well, just amazing to have you here, so we thank you. Well, you doesn't know. everybody have archaeology <laughs> for a hobby? Come on now. <laughs> the only thing I found was the dog's bone while I was digging for the garden out here. That's as deep as I've gone. <laughs> Colleen, closing thoughts on episode number 87. Oh, it's always just a joy to have our visitors, not even our visitors, our cohorts hosts in the studio with us and lots of good talk and lots of good things to think about there are even 
Hebrew grave monuments in uh, Greece in the, uh, in the archaeological museum that show the parting of the sea and Moses hire and the uh, chariot being overturned. This is all on their, uh, on their um, gravestones. So It's been quite an episode. We uh, debunked the um, Oklahoma State death penalty, and, <laughs> and we've proven that the uh, chariots were underwater in the Reed Sea. So what a show. Colleen, it's, we're out of time. We are. In the name of the Father, Father and the and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Glory, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Episode 87 of The Chatter has come to an end. Find us on FM 98.3 KCRD. And on mobile apps, keyword is KCRD. Thanks to Hotworks on Holiday Drive. We'll see you all next week. We love you.